Is there an AFC rookie wideout that should be on your redraft radar? What Bears running back is turning into a great buy? And how is the Patriots quarterback situation affecting the way you're drafting New England players? Plus, ahead, 2021 pros versus Joe's drafter and six-time football guys, players championship league winner, Beth Riches drops by to talk about the Giants passing game, Robert Tunyon, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balfman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. The lesson. Make out of the Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Thank you, Rob. Remember to check out their music at quiethollers.com. Greetings and salutations. All you Balkaholics and Ferreliacs, welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. And Farrell, I got to tell you, I missed you last Friday. It was good to get Bryce on, but I feel like we're, uh, we're falling into our old routine here. Like, uh, what, what's the line from Rounders? Like uh, Frazier and Monroe or whoever it was from the Knicks back in the day. You're not a basketball guy, are you? Oh, man, I was back in those days. Frazier and Monroe, DeBusher and Bradley. Willis Reed was the center, and I had the pleasure of meeting Willis Reed when I started my career as an NBA player agent, and, and that was a that was a big thrill for me. And Clyde DeGlide Frazier was a great agent for many, many years. That was a very special team, and I'm glad you brought them up, Bucky. For, uh, uh, Frazier and Monroe, that's, that's sweet. That's, that's a give and go. The dish and dribble. I love it. I uh, it's my uh, cheeky little way of of bringing up the Milwaukee Bucks, who are my Milwaukee yep. Bucks, who are two wins away from the NBA championship. I was lucky enough yes, to uh, head over to Milwaukee on Wednesday night, and I took in Game Four in person. And Farrell, I was I was trying to think about this because I had such an amazing time. It was such an amazing, um, and I know amazing is 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 overused as as a describer, but or as a descriptor, but it was. And it wasn't surreal, but it was such an enjoyable experience. I think it was – and I was, sure, I was going back and forth on this. That may have been the greatest live um, sporting event I was ever at. It was either that or if I go back um, to the early 90s when, um, when Don Mikowski got hurt in the uh, Packers-Bengals game and uh, this Southern Miss quarterback came in uh, to replace <laughs> him named Brett Favre ends up throwing a touchdown pass to Kittrick Taylor with less than a minute to go, and a legend is born, and I happen to be at that game. I don't know which one was, was more of an enjoyable experience. I think I appreciate it more now 
because now I'm in my 40s and I realize, well, you know, st- special stuff like this just doesn't come around every, every so often. So I'm enjoying the moment, and hopefully you can enjoy the show tonight. To all the listeners out there, coming up, we're going to accentuate our opinions on Allen Robinson, discuss whether Mecole Hardman will take the next step in 2022, and then six-time football guys league champ and 2021, foot, uh, 2021 FFPC pros versus Joe's player Beth Riches will actually come on the program tonight talk a little bit about Julio Jones, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, and much more. The 2021 FFPC main event early draft slot deadline is coming up in 10 days. So if you want your draft slot for the main event by August 1st, make sure you are paid in full, um, as Eric B. and Rakim would say, uh, by July 26th. Also, if you want to add an additional team, $400 off each additional team, whether you're drafting live in Las Vegas or Planet Hollywood, or online from the comfort of your own home. we got a Football Guys uh, Players Championship going on. We are trying to fill, I, I don't know, I think the 1030 filled, and now we got eight teams left in the midnight draft that will be commissioned by yours truly. So hop in there for your chance at $500,000. And, hey, if you come in second, we're still going to give you $100,000 as well. Um, Want to uh, give a shout-out to the three winners of the first-ever Football Guys Players Championship weekday giveaway. Chris Carlson, Travis Hill, and Alex Peacock all won free football guys teams this year because they registered and drafted a team Monday through Thursday this week. Spoiler alert. I I happen to know the guys who run the FFPC. We may be doing this again next week. So make sure you are taking advantage of jumping in those football guys drafts uh, all this weekend. And of course, during the week, the inaugural best ball tourney is underway. $100,000 grand prize, $550,000 prize pool there. Only $125 to enter plenty of dynasty startups and best ball drafts, including the $5 Cinco de best ball going on at myffpc.com and don't forget about the kentucky fantasy football state championship main event at kffsc.com you have the online main event what is our feral when are those uh start they're, they're already going off right already going off two in the works right now the third one's up and you know our online uh our online uh regular drafts uh, will begin august 8th and uh yeah listeners that cannot make the trip to kentucky uh, can participate by uh, drafting online. So we're excited about that. Cincinnati uh, just about sold out, Balky, down to our last 20 spots. That one's August 15th. And then we'll have the pleasure of you and the podcast in the building, Caesar Southern Indiana, 27th through 29th. All this is going to be great times. People are, Balky, they're lining up to meet you. People are, it's, it's just <laughs> fantastic. You've got a lot of obligations when you get there. That's all I can tell you. Well, I, those are those are the kind of obligations I like to have. I can't wait. Love talking fantasy football with everybody in Kentucky. Of course, don't forget about Cincinnati, which is drafting live as well for the KFFSC this year, uh, too. So plenty of action. Now, how do you win those leagues? Well, we're going to help try to do that for you tonight with a little help from Football Guys, Draft Sharks, NBC Sports Edge, and Rob, who put together tonight's Fantasy Flash. News came out this week, Farrell, uh, from the Tampa Bay Times. Uh, Rick Stroud, I believe, is a reporter there. Uh, that Tom Brady actually tore his uh, MCL partially, um, with, maybe when he was with the Patriots, but basically for the entire 2020 season, he played with a partially torn MCL. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network said it was actually a full tear. Uh, it got worse last season, and Brady said that the surgery to fix it was pretty serious, but he didn't say exactly what was being repaired. He had surgery on this back in February. Now, um, I, I, this is not necessarily fantasy, but I'm just kind of curious to, to get your opinion on this. I mean, shouldn't this have been on the injury report? Shouldn't we have known that 
that Tom Brady had, had a partial or a full tear of a ligament. I, I feel like the Buccaneers are, are, are becoming Patriots South here with the injury reporting. <laughs> yeah, Rick's going to be um... – Rick's going to be persona non grata around the locker room for a while with this yes, report. Yes, he will. You, you see, Rappaport had to Rappaport had to double down on it. You know, he had to make it a little more than it was. Okay, so if you are injured, you must be on the practice report, even if you practice. And you know, before everyone talks about calling Brady a cheater again. Uh, you know, this is a select group of people that knows this. I'm sure the owner knew it, general manager knew it, head coach knew it. Team doctors aware of it. It's not Brady's job to report it. It goes up the line to the general manager to report this, and uh, so the, so there probably will be some sanctions forthcoming, and uh, but they will not be coming forward against Brady. So fantasy uh, drafters can rest assured that Brady will be available. Um, and uh, as uh, the Dizzle, who's uh, hopping in the chat, by the way, shout out to everybody in the chat room right now. We got uh, Two Packer, Kevin Williamson, the Bourbon City Baller, uh, Dizzle, and Hudson Kern Reeve all hanging out listening to us live tonight. Uh, Dizzle says that Brady looked fine in the match uh, when he and uh, Mickelson lost to Bryson DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers. So uh, he's going to be fine. The Buccaneers' offense should be fine this season. Which Buccaneers should you be drafting this year? I think that's something that we'll delve into over the next couple of months before um, the uh, drafting season wraps up in early September. So stay tuned for that. Let's go to Houston. The Athletics' Aaron Reese has that Texans rookie receiver Nico Collins, quote, should have a chance to see a lot of snaps early. Now, this wasn't necessarily an endorsement of Nico Collins lighting up the practice field, uh, sort of um, a detriment um, to uh, the, the Texans receiving core down there. It is not good. Uh, Brandon Cooks is obviously there. Then you have Nico Collins. Not a lot of questionable guys. Um, you remember that um, David Culley, who is the new Texans head coach, said that Collins is a prototype receiver and a 50-50 catch guy. So you'd like to think that he'll be running a lot of nine routes, but prototype receivers also run the route tree as well. Collins was a third-round pick by the Texans. Back in college, he could have played at Alabama, Georgia, or LSU, three of the biggest schools in the SEC. He instead decided to go to Michigan um, to play for Jim Harbaugh. Because of the quarterback play there, only one career 100-yard game. Uh, but at his pro day, 89th percentile speed score, 77th percentile burst score, and 94th percentile catch radius. Farrell, there's a lot to like about Nico Collins, and over the last five days in the Football Guys Players Championship, and we'll give a shout-out to Darren Armani here, who runs FantasyMojo.com, does a great job with all the FFPC ADP and draft data we share in this show. Nico Collins, wide receiver 92, going on average at the 1908. Farrell, I am convinced that that's going to climb uh, closer to the season. We always talk about bad teams throwing a lot. And, and something, and I know that, you know, the Baker boy thing, um, Joe Delzner always says, well, you know, those teams don't score touchdowns. And maybe the Texans won't score a lot of touchdowns this year, but they should be throwing a lot. And Nico Collins could be the beneficiary of that. I think he's way underdrafted in the 19th round of football guys drafts right now. Could be, Bucky. You know, if you're a guy that believes in testing, if you're a guy that watches all the combine numbers and really get fired up by that and then follow up with the pro day, this is your guy. He's screaming out to you. That you can do a, that he can do everything testing wise to ensure that he's going to be an NFL player. Now, our writer here is talking about him playing early, and you know, I don't know about that, and I don't know who's going to be the quarterback. But you can dream a scenario for this player. If you look at this team, they have a week ten bye, 
And after the bye on the schedule are the likes of the Titans, the Jets, Jags, the Chargers. No defensive secondary that's going to give problems to a six foot four receiver who may be coming together. And then if you can dream that uh, by that time of the year that Watson uh, might be under center for this team, then, then you uh, – well, let's just put it this way, Balky. The 18th round is for dreamers, and you could do worse than Nico Collins. So go right ahead. <laughs> I'm all about swinging for home runs. Like, we get to, like, round 12, round 13. I I, I lengthen my swing, Farrell. I'm just swinging for the fences on, a, on almost every pick outside of a kicker and defense where – you know, I'm still, you know, cooler heads are prevailing on that one. But but I think Nico Collins is a guy that, as we get closer, especially if you make some plays in preseason, he's going to go much higher than the 19th round. Speaking of another receiver, this time in the opposite conference, it's Allen Robinson. And apparently, according to Ian Rappaport, the Bears are not going to get a contract extension done with him before the franchise tag extension deadline. Now, Robinson is going to play out this season on the tag and will hit the open market in 2022. The Bears could still franchise him then, or they could come to an agreement before he reaches to an agreement with another team in free agency. Over the last two seasons, you can think about the Bears quarterback play there, nearly 2,400 receiving yards, and now, sooner rather than later, he's going to get Justin Fields, who is going to be the best quarterback the Bears have had in some time there. And I, I don't know if there is a player, Farrell, I have drafted more over the course of his career than Allen Robinson. I seem to draft him about like once every other draft, maybe once out of every three drafts. Um, but he's going as wide receiver 13 at the 309 right now. That's right behind Terry McLaurin and C.D. Lamb. It's right ahead of Robert Woods and Amari Cooper. I'm re- I, and I know that's high, but I think there's a, a fairly good chance that he is still being underdrafted, especially if Fields is the week one starter. I know you love this player. You always have, and rightfully so. He's got a lot of skills. I I look at this front office and I shake my head a little bit. Uh, how do you not try to keep this player involved with your football team beyond it? Why do you want to put a tag on him, and why do you want to let other teams have a chance to get him? I mean, there's there's a lot of interesting passing destinations, soft landing spots for a receiver of this kind of talent in free agency next March, then the Chicago Bears. And and what is his connection and love of being a Bear? You'd have to measure that, especially after – and look, playing under the tag is not – it's pretty good salary, but it still means that you're not getting that long-term second contract, which is what all the players are playing for. And from a fan base, uh, your fans would have to be saying, how do you let this player – start flirting with the idea of getting away. I, I don't like it. There's a lot of great places for receivers to be. Derek Carr is apparently recruiting all over the place to get him some. So, you know, it's 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 a conundrum, but it's a fantasy situation where you can look at this player. He has got the opportunity to elevate his game with the rookie quarterback, like you said, and he is uh, looking to make a case for the entire league to come knocking on his door in March of next year. Yeah, I, I, there's gonna be, somebody's going to get uh, richly rewarded with Allen Robinson, who still has a lot of great football left in him. Um, okay, I want to bring this up uh, before uh, Beth Riches comes on to talk pros versus Joe's football guys uh, drafts as well. But Zach Taylor, who is the Bengals head coach, said mm. that they're not going to force targets to any of their receivers. Jay Morrison, who covers the Bengals for The Athletic, um, it, it took uh, posted some comments from uh, Brian Callahan, who's the OC there. 
said the idea is for all three restarting receivers, which is Chase, Higgins, and Boyd, to end up with about the same number of targets and catches. Now, Farrell, if that ends up happening, Jamar Chase at the 411 and, and in, in football guys drafts again over the last five days, and then uh, T. Higgins, who is going um, in, in those same formats, wide receiver 25 at the 508, to me – that's an overdraft for those players if this ends up not being coach speak and it's the real thing. Tyler Boyd at the end of the seventh, early eighth, as wide receiver 36, man, you got to be all over that. Tyler Boyd had a 21% target share in Joe Burrow's nine full games that he played last year before the ACL tear. Second was A.J. Green with 19%. Higgins was third with 17%. How much do you think that changes this year? Was this coach speak, or are you a believer in, in what uh, Taylor and Callahan are saying here about the Bengals receivers? You know, that article was written, and it said that the writer distilled the comments. Now, here in Kentucky, we talk about distilling. It means a completely different thing. But, the, yeah, the secondary definition is to, to focus on, on what you can take, uh, the most important of the commentary. So he's talking what I hear is an equal share, make everybody happy. And if I'm hearing this, I'm very unhappy, especially if I'm a Bengals fan. I don't want my young quarterback to be worried about who's getting the ball. You have a problem on a football team when you wonder who is contributing to the win and that everybody is equitable in contributing to the win and everyone's staying happy. And that's not the way to coach. You know, I don't think he's the best coach in the NFL, but when you look at Sean Payton, he coached better last year than anyone. How did he do it? Go through the game logs, Balky. He decided before the game that he was going to target various receivers. Sanders had a big game before uh, he went on the COVID list. Callaway had a big game before he got hurt. When there was no one left, he made uh, the, the Christmas Day game with Kamara with all the touchdowns. All I'm saying about this guy is that his lifetime record as an NFL coach is 6-25-1. and one he's got to go 13 and four two years in a row just to get to 500. He needs to get the ball to the wide receiver that's responding, the wide receiver that's get open. He's got to, you know, in some games it might even be the tight end, especially if Chase can tear the top off the opposing defenses, you know, we don't care who gets the ball. We care in Cincinnati if we win and that our quarterback is going to be successful. But I think you've arrived at something. Out of the, all of these receivers there, you can go with the least expensive option. And in this case, the least expensive option has the track record. So for fantasy football, this is where we're going to be. I don't think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to have three wide receivers with a 1,000 yards. But they've got potential of guys that can get damn near close to leading the league and receiving if the coach doesn't try to cut the game up and turn it into a chess game. I really like this team. I like the running back. I like the tight end. I like all the receivers. The only thing that's going to get in the way is the coach. Lifetime record, 6-25-1.
if you liked that little conversation we had about the Cincinnati passing game, I think we'll get back into it with our guest a little bit later on in the show. We have an email about that passing game as well involving a player that we didn't talk about just now. So without further ado, let's bring in tonight's guest, a fantasy footballer since 1998 and a $1,000 head-to-head winner over former Pros versus Joe's Pro and SiriusXM Fantasy Sports, the fantasy consultant host, Nathan Zagura, who I believe is uh, still currently a, an employee of the Cleveland Browns. Beth Riches joined the FFPC in 2015 and now plays in about two dozen football guys leagues along with the main event annually. Beth is taking six football guys league titles en route to competing in the FFPC Pros vs. Joe's Magic Man League number five on Monday, July 26th, which will be covered live on the show. Please welcome into the show, Beth Riches. Beth, thanks so much for doing the show this week. We really appreciate it. Great. Thank you for having me. We're excited to have you. This is awesome. Um, I know that you um, you said originally getting into um, some local leagues or some office leagues, you were working with a bunch of people, and, and they all played in leagues, and, and, and then they found out that, uh, that you actually loved playing, or they invited you to play because you, you followed football closely. So did you just dominate them over the years, and you're like, I need a new challenge now? So I started and was just learning. I'd never played before, and they invited me in, and Ended up being commissioner of the local league, and yeah, then I pretty much started kicking their butt. <laughs> <laughs> so, so before we're gonna, we're going to get into that too, because you not only have you been kicking butt in in local leagues, you've been kicking butt on a national level too. Um, can you tell us what you're doing for a living when you're not kicking said butts? Yeah, so I uh, work for a healthcare company. Uh, it's actually based out of uh, Kentucky, so Phil, you might know it. Um, and I work as the chief of staff for the uh, leader who runs all of digital technology. So all the skills that go into, like, managing and juggling a lot of uh, balls during the day, managing all these fantasy football teams that comes into play as well. What a great crossover. You know, maybe they need to hire you up at New England because that's uh, <laughs> that's where I want to go with our first fantasy question tonight. And, yeah, Beth, I was on a radio show down here once, and the host asked a five-minute question. And this, has, this, this could have the chance to be that. So I have to shut up real quick about this, because there's a lot of ways I'd want to go with this. But I'm very, I'm very interested in hearing your answer. And I'll preface it by saying that last year, uh, poor Coach Belichick, he gets eight players uh, that uh, that missed the year due to opting out for COVID. And then his tight end gets uh, uh, injured right away, I believe, starting tight end. This is a man who built his teams on the back of tight ends, even before Gronkowski and Hernandez. So now we have John and Smith and Hunter Henry. I love both of these players, and I love them more together than I do separately. I've tried to get them on. I've, I've tried to get both of them on some of my football guys' teams. Is is my is my philosophy wrong? And if it is, which one of the guys do you like best? And do you agree with me that both of them, at their current ADP, and we'll get the mojo from uh, Balky, but at their current position, are being underdrafted. So I'm with you when um, New England went out and find uh, Janu and Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry, I was excited because we were going right back to the Gronk and Hernandez days. And I actually, not a huge New England fan, but I really liked them. 
when they played, you know, that offense. And so, um, you know, was excited about that. Now, before even that, Jonu Smith, I've been a fan of his from the Titans days. So if you look at kind of what he's done, he has, you know, in my opinion, gotten better each year. And when they got rid of Delaney Walker and brought in Ryan Tannehill, his numbers were great. And so um, I actually, I'm not drafting them both. Um, but I am targeting Smith, and when I play uh, in the fantasy football guys uh, uh, leagues, you know, there's a premium on tight end, and I don't tend to go after tight ends early, but what I'm finding is I can get Janu, you know, in the 8th, ninth, 10th round as my number one tight end, and, I, you know, I'm pretty happy with that. So that's kind of how I'm which, targeting him. Which one? And you think Smith, as far as total catches, is going to exceed Henry? Yeah, and I like his durability a bit better. So, right. you know, again, I, I'm i gun-shy. I mean, people say Hunter Henry is injury-prone, and, I mean, technically if you look at kind of what he's done outside of the year he tore his ACL, he really isn't. But it just it's that perception, right, that he's not durable. And so what I like about Smith is, you know, he has played every year he's been here, he's played at least 13-plus games. Wonderful. Beth, um, let's switch conferences. We talked about Allen Robinson a little bit earlier. Um, I, I want to talk to you about the Bears, but the, the backfield, not the wideouts. Uh, Damian Williams co- comes aboard this offseason, and Matt Nagy said, I think it was this week, said that they want to get David Montgomery 20 touches a game. But there's another guy in this backfield that I think we shouldn't forget about. He's coming off the ACL tear, and that's Tariq Cohen. You in or out on Tariq Cohen this year at his current price, and, and by the way, in football guys' drafts, over the last five days right now, Tariq Cohen is uh, super cheap. He is going as running back 64 yeah. in the 15th round. Beth, do you like uh, the price for Cohen there? Yeah, I've got a lot of shares of him. And so, you know, again, depending upon where I'm drafting, um, I'm taking him as either my fourth or fifth running back, and I'm getting him anywhere from, you know, the 12th to the 14th round. And I think his upside is big. I mean, if you look at where Nagy is or where I think he's going to go this year, he's going to really start to press on this pass-first offense. And so I think what you're going to see, you know, with Cohen, again, assuming he comes back after the ACL, um, he should be playing more in either a slot or a wide receiver role. Um, And I think, you know, with uh, Dalton there, and even if Justin Fields in, I think he's going to get more consistent quarterback play. So um, I find him to be a reliable receiving back. And if he's my fourth or fifth back, um, that I'm, you know, relying on, I'm good with that. Well, I want to follow up on that one real quick, Beth. Do you, do you like Ed Cohen uh, better than White and better than Gio Bernard? Um, so I don't know how I feel about Gio this year because I don't know how they're going to use him in Tampa. I like James White, too. And he's, you know, again, I've done quite a bit of drafts, and he doesn't seem to be going. Um no. Uh, I just, again, I, I am taking Tariq over him. Um, I just think, again, he's just so quick coming out of the backfield. There's so many places that they can play him. And I think if they just use him right, again, he's not my one, two, three. He's my four or five. And that's a nice place to be as far as where I sit. Yeah, I've had that same feel myself. Let me, let's, Let's go to the New York Giants and look at this real quickly. When I first heard the news of the free agent pickups for the Giants, 
I got a little excited about it, but it's gone flat not only for myself personally and, and maybe across the drafting landscape. Uh, you know, speaking largely about Galladay and, and Kyle Rudolph, Kenny Galladay and Kyle Rudolph, um, are you looking at either of those guys or do you have other giants that maybe uh, mean more to you uh, this, with this 2021 season in front of us? Yeah, so Rudolph, I'm not looking at him at all. Um, here's the thing. I love Kenny Galladay, and I liked him a lot when he played at Detroit. The problem I have with him is the point that you've got to take him, he's kind of in the same tier as people like DJ Moore, Robert Woods, right. Cup, Godwin, and I prefer those guys um, over, over Kenny. And, you know, again, I think he's a great player. It's just if I have a choice, I'm taking Robert Woods or something like that. The one that I can't figure out why he's going so late is Sterling Shepard. And so I have him on multiple teams. And, again, I'm picking him up as my sixth, seventh, eighth receiver, and I'm getting him anywhere from the 14th to the 18th round. And if you look at his production over the last five years, you know, again, if he produces, you know, even close to what he's done on his average for the last five years, you know, 60-plus receptions, um, you know, the points that he's getting per game and getting him that late, I just, you know, again, it's a steal in my mind. Sterling Shepard going at the 1701 right now to best point. John Brown, Traquan Smith going right ahead of him. Sammy Watkins and Brian Edwards going right behind him. We are talking with Beth Riches, who is going to be competing in the 2021 FFPC Pros versus Joe's already six football guys league titles under her belt as well. Let's talk a little bit about Julio Jones. He started the drafting season, Beth, as a Falcon. He's going to finish the drafting season as a Titan. Now, I know you drafted in a lot of football guys' leagues so far this summer. How did you handle him when he was a Falcon, when the rumors were out there, and now what are you doing with him, knowing that he's going to be opposite A.J. Brown in Tennessee? Yeah, so I didn't draft him at all when he was at Atlanta because of all the noise and all the uncertainty and just not knowing what was going to happen. I mean, I liked him as a player, but you know, where, again, where you had to take him, it just, it was, you know, not anything I was interested in. There were other options. Once he landed in Tennessee, I've got, you know, multiple shares of him as well. Um, I really, really like the Tennessee Titans this year. I think they got a lot of weapons on offense. I love the pairing of Julio with AJ. Um, I think, you know, for both of them, it's going to help. And then you add in the fact that you've got Derrick Henry and then, Another player that I like a lot that I'm taking late is Anthony Fisker. Um, you know, again, he's stepping in for Johnny Smith, and I think he's going to take a, a big step this year. So if you look at all of that, um, you know, I just like the way this is playing out. And the other thing is I think Julio's got something to prove, right? So, you know, he's in Atlanta. He played there his whole career. Um, you know, they pretty much gave up on him or, you know, made him available. And I think he wants to go and show, you know, that there's a lot left in him and, you know, just kind of prove it laying wrong. So now that he's settled in where he is, I do like him a lot. Hey, following up with that one, Beth, before I get to one of mine, uh, you're not talking much about Tannehill, though. And, and Tannehill um, – I've taken without a great deal of excitement, but uh, he was the best available at uh, the 10th round. Are, are you uh, are you targeting Tannehill in any of your drafts to match up with these Titan players that you like? Um, I don't have him at this point on any of my teams, and it's been more 
a matter of kind of how things have fallen to me. Um, because when he's available, I also have the choice of Matthew Stafford, and I really like the Stafford um, McVeigh pairing, and I think you know that's a better one. But I also think you know Tannehill has done well, and I think now that he's got the weapons around him, um, you got Todd Downing as offensive coordinator. I I think you know again he has a chance to do well, and I'm actually starting to see him move up in some of the drafts that I'm in, and people are starting to take him earlier. So um, it's not that I dislike him. I just, where he's fallen, I just haven't taken him at this point. You know, who's not moving up is Packer tight end uh, Robert Tunyon, and we all know why. Um, with, the, with the Aaron Jones, or uh, <laughs> the, the Aaron Rodgers effect there. But what uh, what what's curious to me is, is, you know, with your resume and the track record that you put together last year, was Tanyan and those those big touchdowns that he scored part of your victories? And will you continue um, to draft him, especially now? I suppose if you like him at all, you perceive him as quite a bargain. Yeah, so I like him a lot. So, you know, again, uh, playing in the football guys' leagues is a premium on tight ends, and you see a lot of people go after tight ends early. I don't. Um, I tend to wait until the later round, so I'm not taking my first tight end a lot of times until the eighth, ninth, and tenth round. So, again, I do like Tanyan there. Um, I'm finding he's between the 13th and 15th tight end off the board, um, and if I'm getting him in the tenth round at that place as my number one tight end, I'm happy with that. Um, you know, unlike Devontae Adams, who at this point, again, I won't draft him just because of the uncertainty. I don't know that Tanyan is going to be as impacted by the Aaron Rodgers decision. Because if you think about it, with a rookie quarterback, a good solid tight end with good hands, big body, um, you know, that's a rookie quarterback's best friend. So I do like him. I am drafting him. A lot of times, depending upon if I'm at the beginning or the end of the draft, you know, I will take him and Johnny Smith back-to-back just to kind of get two solid tight ends. Um, you know, he's tiered with, you know, people like Goddard, Font, Logan Thomas, Gusecki, and I actually like him better um, than Font, Gusecki, Irv Smith Jr. Um, so, you know, again, I think people are missing out. I'm taking them where I can get them in the range with which I'm drafting my tight ends. Beth, um, one of the decisions facing, well, you in certain drafts and, and a lot of FFPC players in the first round is um, after the top few running backs are off the board and you know you want to go with a running back and you're deciding between Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara, it's, it's not an easy decision. Um, I don't know how many times you've been faced with that decision so far this year when both those guys were on the board in the first round and, and uh, they came up, but if you were faced with it or if you're faced with it going forward, are you more likely to draft Henry or Camaro? So that's a hard question for me because I will tell you, I am a football fan, but if I have to say who my team is, it's the New Orleans Saints. Um, and I've been a Saints fan mm. since Aaron Brooks and Mike Ditka and Ricky Williams. And so um, it's hard because my heart always wants to go with Camara. Um, but what I will tell you is um, – you know, I have equal shares of both of them right now. It just depends on kind of how the rounds go. I think the issue with Kamara is, you know, I think the Saints' offensive production is going to be down just with the loss of Drew. 
Um, you know, and Drew tended to target his running backs a lot. So if you look at, you know, how they played, he was always, you know, looking at his running backs coming out of the backfield. And I just, whether it's, you know, Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill, I just don't think that's going to continue. Then you add in the fact you got Murray there, you got Hill potentially coming in as a halfback. And so what I will tell you is, while I don't think Derrick Henry is going to repeat the year he had last year, as far as, you know, total rushing yards and just the point production. Um, I think he's going to benefit, Henry is going to benefit from the fact that, you know, with now Julio Jones and A.J. there, they, the defenses can't stack the boxes anymore. They can't stack the line anymore. So um, what I would tell you, as hard as it is for me to pass on Alvin, I'd take Derek. Mm. Well, you know, you might have had that decision uh forthcoming because on your immediate horizon is uh, your pros versus Joe's contest and we expect you to go in there and stir it up and uh, give us another reason to talk about your success but how do you change that strategy so we're on a we're on an 18 um, an 18 team roster or 18 player roster with a slim uh, format how do you change the way you look at this a football guys or, or a main event uh, FFPC team. Yeah, so I don't, I don't do a lot of best ball drafts. Um, I like managing my team week to week. So part of this is you know just getting used to the best ball format. I think what I'm trying to work through right now is how many players at each of the four positions do I want to take, right? Um, and yeah. so that's kind of what I'm working through and kind of putting my game plan together. Um, I am sitting in the eight spot, which I like a lot. Um, if I look at the teams I've drafted so far this year, some of the ones that I think are going to be the best, I've drafted at the back half of the first round. So I'm excited yeah. about that. Um, you know, other years I've had a strong tendency that I either go wide receiver early or running back. What I'm seeing this year as I'm drafting is it's the best player available, right? So, again, what's going to be interesting when I do the draft on the 26th is sitting at the eighth spot, who's going to be there, what, my, what is my first pick going to be, and how is that kind of going to shape what I do for uh, the rest of the draft. We're talking with uh, Beth Riches, who is going to be competing in the pros versus Joe's coming up in uh, 10 days from now, as well as um, a, a champion of six football guys league titles um we want to go to the chat room right now for our first question of the night and it comes from hudson kern reeve a guy i'm sure you've tangled with and football guys drafts before uh he wants to know beth is giovanni bernard tom brady's new james white in tampa um i i i know that's a crowded backfield there and, and there's a lot of bodies there but we always saw that in new england too there was a lot of a uh, lot of different running backs a lot of different skills coming out of that backfield you see Giovanni Bernard on the same level as James White? I do, and I liked him in Cincinnati, and I think he played a critical role there. Brady does like those receiving backs out of the backfield. So I do, I do think he has that ability. What concerns me just a bit about Tampa is you've got him sitting there, but you also have Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. And how do they bring the three of those together, and how do they utilize them? And so – you know, back to your earlier question, that's why I'm a bit hesitant on Geo um, versus some of the other choices when you're sitting there when he's available. 
Giovanni Bernard, I'm just kind of curious. I'm going to look it up right now. Uh, he is going off as the 57th running back selected, and that's in the 14th round. And you're obviously looking at backups there. This is Kenneth Gainwell, Devontae Booker, Daryl Williams territory. Ironically, he's going um, on average two spots ahead of James White. Um, so, you know, yeah. sort of um, meeting the both ends of the spectrum from start to finish there for Bernard and White. All right, let's get to the emails here, Beth. Um, first one is from Tom in National City, California. He writes, hey, Beth, everyone – oh, this is what I teased earlier. Hey, Beth, everyone talks about the receivers in Cincy – but do you like C.J. Uzoma late at all? Good luck in pros versus Joe's. That is Tom in National City, California. C.J. Uzoma, or Uzoma, I always get it mixed up, is tight end 35, going in the 19th round of football guys' drafts. Uh, Beth, he's basically free. Have you picked up any shares of him? I have not. When I get to the end of the, the draft at tight end, if I'm picking somebody up, the one I really like is um, Cook in uh, – Los Angeles uh, with uh, Justin. Mm. Uh, yeah. I just, that guy's a good tight end. And Herbert, like, I, I just think I can get him that late. And the other one I like that I can get in the late rounds is Fisker at Tennessee. So um, not gone after uh, Uzoma. Um, I'm just looking to it. Fisker, I don't even know if he's being – May not be. Yeah, I mean, you, he's basically free too. Um, so that's another. Yeah. And, and and when you think about it too, like that was a player that was being talked up in in the mini camp, right? Um, by by some yeah. of the beat yeah. writers there, and he's and he's not being selected. So yeah, that that could be a nice sharky pick for anybody looking for a third tight end late for sure. Uh, one more email here for you, Beth. It's Bill in Minneapolis, and he writes, "How's it going, Beth? Are you a believer in Henry Ruggs making a leap forward this year?" He's so cheap in football guys drafts at the moment. Thank you, Bill, for listening and for emailing in uh, from the uh, good city and all the great breweries they have in Minneapolis. All right, so, Beth, uh, Henry Ruggs, um, what do you think about him? He he just didn't seem to put it together last year, but now he's got a year under his belt. Does he make that sophomore leap? Yeah, he might. I'm not a fan of the Oakland offense. Um, Outside of Josh Josh Jacobs, you know, I just – um, uh, you know, in Waller, of course, but I just, I don't know. I, I need to see what they can do with David Carr under center. I just, it doesn't, not anything, you know, at this point um, that I've spent a lot of time and have any shares of on my team. Well, you know, the best, I we're not going to hold yeah, that's, any that's of those the things. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We're gonna we're we're not gonna hold any of those things against you. And Valky, I'd like the <laughs> listeners to know that before that earlier in the broadcast when I was bragging on Coach Payton that I had no idea that that, that Beth was Saints fan. I was not trying to score uh, any any <laughs> big points with Beth point, pointing that out. But you know <laughs> what I want you to point out to listeners, Beth, is the same question I give everybody. This is the question I live for. Because it, dude, when I go in the draft, do or die, I want some Beth knowledge to carry with me. So I want that one player. I got a feeling he might be a Raider, but I want that one player that you are not going to touch in any round this year that you don't want on your roster. And then we talked about a lot of late-round picks, but I think you've got another sneaky sleeper up your sleeve. So if we could have those two yeah. players, I would be forever grateful. Um, 
I'll tell you the one I'm not touching. I mean, you, I've got the obvious ones in the early rounds, Barkley, Adams, Rogers. But the other one I'm not taking is Robbie Anderson. Um, and my mm. issue basically is when he was with the Jets, Darnold didn't seem to throw to him, and I'm not sure, you know, what's going to change now that they're at Carolina. And, again, maybe a decision I regret after the season. But, you know, when faced with him sitting on the board, there's others I'm looking at. Um, as far as late-round picks, I'll tell you the one I'm getting in the 20th round, and, again, it's kind of a coin flip, is I'm taking Alan Lazard. And I'm taking him on the chance if Rodgers does end up back in Green Bay, that's his number two wide receiver. And he, you know, they've always had a connection. When he's been healthy, they've always had a connection. So I get him in the 20th. If Aaron comes back, that could be, in my opinion, a decent pickup for, you know, six, seven, eight receiver. I, you know what's interesting is um, I, Alan Lazard has always been an interesting guy for me. He was a player that I was pretty excited when they signed him. I think they signed him off somebody's practice squad, um, Green Bay did, and then he obviously got promoted and, and um, had some good games. Then I think the love went too far, and then I was kind of like, you know what, I am, I am not down with all this Lazard. Like he's not, I mean, he wasn't a draft pick. He's, um, he, he's, doesn't, he's big, but he doesn't particularly do anything all that well. And um, and now I think I'm coming back around on him again. You know, the, maybe not the number two target, but definitely the number two receiver on a really good offense. I'm still convinced, and, and I know a lot of people call me crazy, but I'm still convinced Aaron Rodgers is going to be there week one. And I think he's going to make Lazard look great again, like he always has. So I'm actually loving Lazard, uh, especially at his current ADP. I've been grabbing him a lot late in a lot of the leagues I've been in. Um, and he's wide receiver 87 going in the 19th round of football guys drafts. This is Van Jefferson, Deshaun Jackson, Deami Brown territory. So certainly um, you could spend the 19th round pick in a lot worse ways than you could in Alan Lazard. And quite frankly, I don't know if we could have went with a different guest uh, in a better way tonight. I, I think Beth Riches, you did a fantastic job. You cited a lot of great uh, knowledge, a lot of um, good insight uh, from all the leagues you've been doing this year. We can't wait to watch you draft in the pros versus Joe's competition coming up on July 26th in that number five magic man league. Thank you so much for doing the show. Don't be a stranger and feel free to call in, uh, call us back when, when you're doing the draft and make a pick on the air. We'd love to talk to you again. Cool. Awesome. Thank you again so much for having me. Beth Riches, ladies and gentlemen, the six time winner of the uh, football guys, players championship leagues, and uh, going to be drafting live in pros versus Joe's as well. Um, I don't know if we've I, – I guess, Farrell, we've, we've talked about this before with some of our guests. So many of them seem to have clarity um, on, on what they want to do in drafts. And it's fine if you want to diversify, and I think that's smart. But, you know, I looked over uh, some of Beth's drafts, and, and it's clear she knows who she likes this year, and she's going after and getting her guys, which is, which is something that, that you, don't, you always like to appreciate. You don't want to be on the clock and, and kind of – um, be messing around and not knowing who you want here or when you're a few picks away and not knowing what you want to do with the pick. Beth does not strike me as that type of player at all. Right. She's leaving very little room for error. I will admit when I, and I drafted Robbie Anderson a little bit this spring, early summer, but when you get to Robbie Anderson and you have to draft him in the eighth round, as opposed to the 15th round last year, it was a no brainer in the 15th round last year. I was very, very happy to draft him as rewarded 
accordingly. But you know, at the eighth round, he does it does stop and, and make you think with the quarterback assets that he has there. And she's got her mind made up now. She mentioned her ties to Kentucky, and I'm going to invite her to come here and play. And I'm going to sit down oh, yeah. with her, and we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Fersker, and we're going to talk about C.J. Uzuma, and we're going to talk about the type of talent that those two players are. And I'm going to see if I can change her mind. But I I like. I really do like the fact that when she sees it, like like she has done with Fersker, like she's done with Lazar, uh, that it, it, she's willing to go back to it when it doesn't cost her much. And, and, and so she's a very, very solid player. You can just tell by the conversation. And she loves those Saints. Um, I wonder what she thinks about the Saints number two receiver, uh, Traquan Smith. Yeah. I, I, I wonder if she would have gone him over Lazar if we could have had that conversation. Yeah, I, I should have asked her that, actually, because I was just, as you say it now, I was thinking that, too. Um, what do you think about her rugs take? Well, what do what I think what? About uh, her, her take on uh, uh, Henry Ruggs from your uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, well, yeah, and, and again, that's what I would expect her to do because she she responds to what she sees, and, and she's right. successful in projecting that to the future. And so we're... We're going to try to find out what that's going to look like uh, uh, with the Raiders. What I what I would say to Beth or anyone that that doesn't particularly understand or like Ruggs, uh, you know, he's a rookie wide receiver, he's a top wide receiver taken in the draft for a reason, and uh, you know the Raiders have had not the most uh, sterling draft record over the years, but. Uh, there was a lot of teams that were lined up to take Henry Ruggs. So patience is a virtue in some of these talented players, and uh, I think we've got something to look forward to with Ruggs this year. Hard to write off the number one receiver from last year's draft class uh, this early on, especially when you consider that his draft value is way depressed right now and you get him at a really good deal. Let's get to some listener emails here, uh, Farrell, for us. Adam in Tampa, this is Buccaneers country, but he wants to talk Patriots. Dear Commission Balky, mm-hmm. is it worth buying into Mike Reese's report that Damian Williams is going to be uh, – uh, not Damian Williams. Who's, uh, Damian Harris mm-hmm. is uh, going to be the Patriots running back to play in 2021. You guys both do an awesome job on this show. That is Adam in Tampa, who obviously get his, uh, got his Patriots and uh, Bears running backs mixed up here. But Damian Harris. He's going to be the running back to play in 2020. And I'll tell you this right now, um, as far as how high-stakes players are handling uh, Damian Harris in uh, in the Football Guys Players Championship, right now his ADP has climbed. He's running back 32 at the 802. Farrell, your thoughts on Damian Harris as the bell cow in New England? I like him better when he was a double-digit player and then a ninth-round player. And, yes, he is moving up. And, and why wouldn't he be? Uh, this is the this is the time for this player to step up. We want big things to happen for him. Everybody thinks he's from Alabama. We know he's from Richmond, Kentucky. We want to see another kid from Kentucky uh, do well. But yeah, he's uh, he's going to be there. This team is going to be improved. We could do a whole show, Bucky, on why this team is going to be improved this year. And uh, Harris is going to be right in the thick in the middle of it. So even in the eighth round, he. Uh, you know, as a starting running back here, he presents a wonderful value. Yeah, I'm just, you know, James Robinson's going ahead of him. Raheem Mostert's going ahead of him. Michael Carter, the rookie. Trey Sermon, the rookie, is going ahead of him. Chase Edmonds, obviously, significantly ahead of him, about a round and a half ahead of him. So there are players there 
um, that that are um, you could make a case that Harris is going to have a much better season then. I do expect his ADP to climb even higher as we get closer to Cincinnati, Louisville, and of course Planet Hollywood coming up this drafting season. Clay in Akron writes, "Hey Farrell and Balky, I feel like every year for the past decade." I hear so many smart people telling me to draft Joe Mixon early. And this year, it's higher than ever. How early would you guys draft him? Clay in Akron, thank you for listening. Thank you for the email. Ironically enough, while most people, well, a lot of people will tell you to draft Joe Mixon um, as high as possible this year, I think it slipped a little bit. I mean, this is a guy that was like an early second round, sometimes a late first round pick the last couple of years. Fairley's going as running back 13 at the 208 in football guys draft. Too early, too late, just right. How do you feel about Mixon uh, playing in that what should be a high-powered Bengals offense in 2021? Well, we won't be fooled again. Player stays healthy, the player will perform, and he's going to push up the, the top five running backs with uh, in, in carries in, in this year. And I, I think there's nothing but – high side for this player and when you can get that kind of share of uh, touches and, and focus uh, at, at that point in the draft I think we're in, in for a, a really good payday for uh, Mixon. Uh, moving on here and by the way I actually I only I think I've only drafted Mixon once this year if I remember and I think yeah mm-hmm. it was um, in the uh, the infamous Scott Fishbowl and I took him, now that's like a yeah, super flex league. So I, I got him in like the, er, no, it was third round reversal. So I got him in the late third there. And that's been my only share of him. So I'm willing to take a, a risk on him, but I'm, I'm still cautious on him because I've, I've seen what he's done over the last few years. I've, I've been victim to it, um, but we'll see. Uh, I'm, I'm always, I always try to give it a fresh start every single year. And, and uh, I'm doing that again with, um, with Mixon this year. Pineville, West Virginia is where we go now to hear from Vince who writes, let's wide scope this. How do you modify your draft boards, whether Cam Newton or Mac Jones is the starting quarterback in New England this season? Thanks for all you do. That is Vince in Pineville, West Virginia. Farrell, by my count, that is our third New England Patriots topic for tonight. Now we've moved to the quarterback position. <laughs> Haven't talked about the receivers at all, but we talked about everything else. So Cam Newton or Mac Jones? Um, we, don't, we know that Mac Jones is obviously the quarterback of the future there, but when does the future start? Knowing what we know, knowing yeah. what you know, how are you handling Patriots skill position players um, with this quarterback position expected to change at some point uh, from now until the end of the season? Well, the good thing about this is the, the players that we really like to draft on the Patriots are not going to be affected uh, differently in their fantasy output or their fantasy usage uh, depending on which one of these players play. And, and we're going to get both players. And, and we'll probably get Newton early. We'll probably get Jones later, uh, unless Newton can somehow recapture it. Uh, we don't have any receivers uh, here, and I would encourage drafters to uh, to not, uh, even at his uh, what appears to be a bargain basement price, I would I would probably stay away from Nelson Aguilar for, for a lot of reasons and focus uh, closer to the ball with the tight ends and the running backs. And, and this is uh, and James White. So, yeah, all these players are going to have to contribute to support the efforts of these quarterbacks. Uh, you know, it's way beyond my uh, uh, my pay grade to, to say which one is going to play. Uh, and we'll see, but it's going to be a very entertaining year. 
I will say that, that, that Mac Jones, possibly when we begin to talk about Hunter Henry, I like Hunter Henry a little better than Johnny Smith if I know Mac Jones is going to be the quarterback because I think he runs a skinny post. I think he can get downfield better uh, than, than most of their downfield shots. People don't really understand uh, Hunter Henry's route running ability, but if you look at uh, what he's done uh, previously with the Chargers, you'll, he, you'll see that he and Smith are, are two very, very different players. That's why I posed the question um, to Beth, and, and quite honestly, I can't get anybody that likes teaming these two players together other than yours truly. <laughs> hey, you know, you said it's going to be an entertaining year for the Patriots this year. How, how, their over-under win total right now is nine, minus 125 for over nine wins. Would you stay away from that, or is that something you'd like? Plus 105 for the Well, under. I have to look at that. I have to look at that division, and I, I have to realize that they've got, you know, the best in-game coach, the guy that knows how to figure out the – to make that last play call to make it work on both sides of the ball. So I tell you what, I don't know if I would bet them over, but I sure as hell would never bet them under. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, I think we got we get time for one more email here. Yes, Theo in Ber- Bergen or Bergen, Illinois. Theo, I'm sorry, um, I don't nothing personal there. I just don't know how to pronounce your city. Uh, he writes, it's hard to believe but the hype is finally arriving for McCole Hardman in his fourth year. Please tell me I'm crazy for counting on him in 2021. That is Theo in Bergen, Illinois. McCole Hardman, we, we heard um, some Chiefs players. I don't know if we heard the coaches. I know some players were talking about how good McCole Hardman looked uh, in the mini camps right now. Wide receiver 50 at the 10:06, right after Jalen Waddell and Elijah Moore, a pair of rookies, but he's going ahead of Russell Gage and Darnell Mooney. Russell Gage might overtake him. We'll see what happens there. But, Farrell, McCole Hardman in the 10th round, if he does take that step, sec, uh, that next step forward in his second year in that Kansas City offense, he's going to outperform that 10th round spot. But is he going to make that leap is the question. Hmm. I don't know, Buck. He looks like Tarzan plays like Jane, disappears into the depths of the forest. I don't yeah, you know, you, you can look at the uh, Super Bowl and, and kind of understand who this player is, but maybe it's just more of the offense. I think this offense supports an elite receiver who does everything better than most players in the league do it, and I think it supports uh, the premier tight end and uh, Hall of Fame player in Kelsey, and I think it's going to lend itself to support the uh, running back, uh, CEH. So I, I think – when you take those three players plus what the quarterback can produce with his feet and be productive with all players, all players want to play with Mahomes because he engages and is productive with all of them, I think that limits Hardman's future as a uh, fantasy contributor. Now, he's a wonderful player as, as far as uh, as far as his skill set, and that's, that's a tip of the cap to that front office that brought him into this team. And he could probably be, put up huge, huge fantasy numbers other places. I don't see him doing it here for the reasons just mentioned. You follow Farrell on Twitter at Elliott, Of course, the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship on Twitter at KFFSC. And, of course, register for those leagues, especially that those main event leagues going off online as well as live in Cincinnati and live in, uh, in Louisville. I'm seeing a lot of red on KFFSC.com, Farrell, for, for some leagues that are 
almost filling up right now. So certainly get on that while you can, especially Cincinnati, because once is there, there's only like, once those drafts are filled, the Bearcat, the Bear, the Bengal, the Browns, the, the Blades. I mean, once they're filled, they are filled. You're, you're not going to have another one at that time time spot, right? It is our intimate room of fantasy football drafting in Milwaukee. Ninety six seats for the full day, two drafts at, at four different time spots, and it is a blast. So if if you think if you've never done any live drafting and and you uh, you, you want to come in and get a feel for it, this is a great place to do it. And it, that draft, Valky, uh, is a lot of fun for me because it's uh, responsibilities for me and more interaction with the players. So it's it's a big day. Um, it's going to be a big day. It's going to be a big weekend, and it's going to be a big weekend in Louisville too. So certainly get over to kffsc.com, register for those uh, main events right now, Farrell. Uh, I, I'm going to let you go now because I'm sure you have a phone call lined up with Beth Riches. And uh, I know anybody else who wants to talk fantasy football or get involved with the KFFSC, 502-523-5057 is who to call. Farrell will be happy to talk music um, or uh, fantasy football with you, probably preferably fantasy football, as late into the evening as you'd like. Farrell, thank you so much. And we'll actually talk to you on Sunday night, man. It'll be great, brother. I'm looking forward to it. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, certainly appreciate him hopping aboard to co-host the program with me tonight once again. I want to thank him, Beth Riches, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and of course, in each and every one of you. All right. Now, um, the it is time, as Bruce Buffer would say, it's time. Um, Pros versus Joe's launches on Sunday, uh, everybody. And we will be here at 8, 7 Central to bring you the first of six live drafts um, for two full hours. We'll, we'll hear from some of the drafters, some of the pros, some of the Joes for the first league, which is uh, the Mike Honcho League number 1, again, 8-7 Central. The Joes in that league, Lev Norian, Michael Reed, Michael Guzzi, uh, Mike Guzilak, Joe Scoza, Jay Reed, Scott Connor, of course, from Chasing the Helmet podcast, Jeff Tirabasi, Ryan Lips. Um, five of those guys, I think, have all been former guests of this show. The pros. Mike Shope, Adam Krautworth, Shane Hallam, Sigmund Bloom, Howard Bender, Billy Muzio, and, of course, Evan Silva from Established Run. I had a lot of these guys uh, on the show as well, too. So a lot of HSFF love. It's going to be a bloodbath on uh, Sunday night. Cannot wait uh, to bring you that along with Farrell. Pick-by-pick coverage, and, of course, uh, you can watch the draft board live on our YouTube channel as well. Register for that inaugural best ball tournament today. Get in on the Dynasty Startups and, of course, the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship. We got six teams left in that midnight draft that is going to be going off in a little under an hour. Fill that up, and I'll be happy to finish that for you tonight. $400 off each main event, each additional main event team on your account there. Remember, that main event early, uh, main event, uh, early draft spot announcement, that is going off on August 1st. You only have 10 days to sign up for that. Make sure you're getting in on that. Thanks so much for listening. Your weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week.
Yeah, I, I'd be remiss. Um, I, I, I mentioned at the top of the show, but we got other guys in the chat room asking about it right now. So the three winners of the weekday giveaway, the first ever weekday giveaway for the Football Guys Players Championship, Chris Carlson, uh, Travis Hole, and um, uh, now I'm forgetting the last one. <laughs> Chris Carlson, uh, Travis Hole, and Andy Peacock is the, uh, is the third one. So congratulations to those guys. They all won free Football Guys teams in their account. And like I said, cannot confirm or deny, but I would be watching those emails <clears throat> to Packer um, that are coming out early next week. I think we might do the weekday giveaway once again uh, for the FFPC. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. going to be a fun couple of weeks with Pros versus Joes. We will see you Sunday evening right here, same time, same channel. Actually, not same time. It's 8, 7 Central on Sunday. <laughs> All right, that's it for me, ladies and gentlemen. Good night!